This is Lee Majors. Last week on NetTrek, a terrible orange-haired creature was terrorizing the grand old party and dissolving the best candidates with its acidic urine. The intrepid crew of the Free Enterprise tried everything in their power to stop the orange menace, but nothing worked. Luckily, by the end of the show, everybody just agreed to disagree, and the party didn't implode after all. Although the reactor that runs the whole operations on the planet went critical and poisoned everybody. Boy, howdy! I'm glad there are only a bunch of stupid miners down there. Anyhow, this week's episode finds our heroes on the brink of an interstellar war. What are they going to do about it? Find out next on this here channel. Hell! Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Um, until we're canceled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces. To brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Another one of those Spaplopian Ubars. Pearl, you slammed through those about a half hour ago. Actually, the last thing you put in your mouth was your own bishop. We were supposedly playing one dimensional chess here. That was until you decided the red alert alarm was the dinner bell. You should really get some help. But I was famished, and that bell just kept going off over and over. Let me try one of your bishops. There just has to be a pecan in that one. Ah, uh, say, what denomination was that bishop man? Hopefully not of the space Baptist faith. He's probably a popish primate, satisfying an infidel's cannibalistic fetish, and filling his spare time with even worse acts of debauchery. We can discuss it at a lengthy council and session I intend to conduct in my own intimate quarters late this evening. Pearl... Just quit eating the chess set. The rest of the cast has to pretend to play with that prop until we get canceled again. Meaning at least for the rest of today. Eat some of these circus peanuts. Or maybe they're hunks of trifolium insulation. You wouldn't notice a difference. Which reminds me, Ned. Which episode are we doing this week? I mean, not that it would matter much to me. I'm sure I'll be able to keep all of my appointments as usual. Yeah, you and Mr. Pissoff really lucked out. The writers keep your association with this mess as slim as possible. Besides, we usually have to wait for Captain Dunce to say something stupid before we can guess which episode it is. That should happen soon. He doesn't have much else to do these days. Where's Mr. Pissoff? You know, since the days of the old-style sailing ships, it has been the captain's privilege to join two people into the bonds of holy matrimony. <laughs> and afterwards, loan them an instructional hologram on how to make bologna sandwich casseroles. I was afraid of that. 
that means it's gotta be that boring episode where we first meet up with the Abomulans. It's like a stupid submarine movie, but with dull-eyed extras done in spacesuits made from cast-off sheets of carpet under layman. It is a stunning effect. Between those carpet suits and the artichoke steamers for helmets, I for one really feel like I must be in space. It's the same old space, Mr. Pearl, and you'll be seeing it real soon. Just after I finish tying the knot for these two fine young corporate entities. <laughs> so without any further ado, do you, Galactic Procter & Gamble, take Space Pfizer Corporation to be your lawful wedded subsidiary? To have and to hold till dissolution and bankruptcy do you part? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I always cry at mergers. <laughs> and you'd best keep a big supply of handkerchiefs, Mr. Pearl, because corporations are not just people. They're unreconstructed Mormons, and that means there'll be a lot more weddings to come. <laughs> we might be at this till the bells of morning. In fact, Space Jello Corp has been looking a little shaky lately. I thought I might gobble it up myself sometime after dinner. <laughs> Saved by the freaking bell. It must be dinner time. Um, red alert. Um, red alert. Um, captain to the bridge. I was wondering who pulled the lever down. I didn't think Mr. Stephanie O. did levers. Something really must have spooked him. Somebody probably turned the screen on, and he suddenly saw a bunch of Christmas lights coming at him. No doubt it triggered an epileptic fit. That's about the closest he'll ever come to acting, I'm afraid. <laughs> Mr. Stephanie O. You do know that your interruption of this merger ceremony could be construed as illegal interference in the space marketplace, <laughs> which is one of a lengthy list of Confederate space crimes that weren't the death penalty. Jesus Willard, he's probably dead already. The writers find it way easier to kill him than to come up with lines he can't pronounce. So whose freaking nephew is that guy anyway? Probably yours, right? Seems like he's inherited your air of blissful incompetence. Sir, uh, a, a ship, sir. Uh, um, uh, a ship. Yes, we're in a ship. You just can't get anything past that guy. Maybe there's an enemy ship poised to blow us to pieces. We should probably put our shields up at least, right? Quit torpedoing your britches, Pearl. The writers of the episode are just experimenting with using an exciting teaser to start the show. It's a laugh, isn't it? Somebody at the network probably told our producers that people usually turn our show off after the first two minutes. So this is their feeble attempt to do something about it. Offhand, I'd say it didn't work. I guess not, seeing as though we're all still standing around in the ship's chapel, which is actually just the rec room set, and nothing is happening. Yes, but exciting special effects are going to be spliced in here, right? We can rely on tech wizards at Desilu to come up with some spiffy model of an alien warbird. Soon there will be animated lasers going off in all directions. It's the kind of thing that will make the audience swoon. I might just use those same guys to cut together something for me, so I can sell a few more shiny weapon systems to both sides of some conflict somewhere. Those jokers animate a warbird! Get serious, Pearl! They couldn't even animate a goonie bird! They're just gonna recycle some shots from a second pilot episode. The bit where there was a ship floating around on a string, and then another bigger ship with a bunch of light bulbs glued to it wobbles over on another string, 
and then the two ships just gonna hang there. It's an incredible cinematic experience. Wait a minute, I'm confused. What episode are we doing again? Not that it matters much. I mean, I'm sure my part will be about the same. Captain Romney, my fellow shipmates, we've just received orders from Starfleet to proceed to the origami system and to the one inhabited planet there. <laughs> Very well, Mr. President. It's to the organic section, men. I was wondering when we were going to be allowed to take it out. It's a well-known watering hole for the Obamulans and for clean tons. He said origami system, idiot. Great. The network must have butchered our budget again. They're resorting to making our planet props out of paper. Still, Ned, if they fold the paper in complicated ways, that could look pretty interesting on the screen. And remember, if we need to deem this planet a threat, one photon torpedo would be enough to torch it. I understand that paper goes up real good. For Christ's sake, I suggest that in the next episode, we use Pearl's ass as the planet prop. Then I'd be fine with putting a torch to it. Hey. Master Navigator! Boy, what an unusual name. It's kind of like Alligator, except with a Nev instead of an L. <laughs> you know, I once had a teacher by the name of Crocodile and another one named Buckalo. To think, there was a time when killing one whole herd would get us three whole stakes. Captain, our orders are to make contact with the Origamians and to railroad them into signing a Status of Forces Agreement, or SOA. Give the rulers a few throwaway trinkets and a few buckets of cash money. A million dollars, we could get that. Then once their elite class is completely dependent on us, we can cover the ground with Confederate military bases and keep the Clean Empire from using it as a staging ground for their own twisted purposes. It's true. This system's proximity to the Confederation's shipping lanes, where Plutoxian ore is transported from the Graft Nebula, make it of high strategic importance. Whichever power controls origami controls this entire sector of space. One thing is for sure, we can't let this thing drop into the greedy clutches of the clean towns, Captain. And certainly not while our own greedy clutches are waiting so expectantly. We need to encourage Starfleet to send a few ships of expendables out here to make a stand and guarantee our freedom to be somewhere far away on that day. Advisor Pearl has it half right, Captain. Except that we're the expendable ship that the Confederation is sending out. Looks like I'm going to be spending about 12 hours in my cabin today, redacting some expletives, some transcripts. I'm not sure how they got in there, but I suspect the Jews had something to do with it. I've just got to think about my legacy, you know. Lieutenant Eichmann, er, I mean, uh, er, Ehrlichman, you're with me? <laughs> you know, I myself once served aboard the U.S. Depends. Back then, I always felt like I was losing control. But surely we're not considered expendable. We're the fleet's flagship. We have the finest and best trained crew. We're heroes and everyone knows it. We're not the flagship, idiot. We're the swag ship. That's why there's all these sponsors' logos all over the place. And that's why everybody got a big bag of corporate booty in their cabins back at the beginning of the series. Oh no, they were just fattening us up for the kill. Any chance that I can take a shuttlecraft and drive over to, um... <laughs> I suggest France. 
They're all geared up for harboring rich missionaries. <laughs> and seeing as though this is summer, there's a good chance he can rent a castle. But keep a helicopter ready in case there's an uprising at the gate. Then you'll have to rely on the Scarlet Pumpernickel to save you. <laughs> it's also best to keep a healthy supply of Duncan Hines cake mixes in your pantry, just to be on the safe side. Captain, should I make course for Origami 5? Jesus, yes, Sulu, make a freaking course for Origami 5! Four, four. Aye, aye, Mr. Dead. Course set for Origami 5. Engage! Uh, engaged. <laughs> Sounds like there's going to be another little wedding soon. <laughs> Good thing I still have my marrying underpants on. So when's the happy space day? Today you get transferred, fool! Captain's logs? <laughs> They're kind of like Lincoln logs, except in this case, I'm the Lincoln in question. Bane bought out the company back in the year of our Moroni 2230. Just like Lincoln, who was born in a cabin that he built with his own two hands. <laughs> when I was a boy, a couple of my father's hired hands presented me with a certificate of ownership of Lincoln Log Limited. I set my eyes on Lego Corp next. <laughs> when your brainless soliloquy is over, you might mention what we're doing on the show, fool. Ah, yes, the show must go on. We've been ordered by gentlemen in white suits drinking mint juleps to visit the planet Origami 5, meet the inhabitants, threaten the inhabitants, subvert the government, and put in place an intelligence hub. The Cletons are rumored to be en route to this system, too, so we have to be quick about this. Yes, quick and sneaky. We can wear alien dress. Now, wait a minute. There'll be three of us beaming down, so we should wear at least three alien dresses. <laughs> Best get the ship's seamstress on this right away. Our own little Betsy Haas. Sure. Anyway, the three of us are two and a half, really, since one of them is Pearl. Hey, Willard, me, and it will be beaming down to the center of the origami little western town set. You'd think they'd seen our beaming special effects before. I mean, nobody looked up at us. They're probably used to angels appearing on the town square. They must be very much like my own people. Well, that would be pathetic. More likely they're just like your everyday shell-shocked extras, just plodding through, hoping not to make too big fools of themselves before the end of the day when they can pick up their $30 and go back to the railroad bridge that they live under. You must be Captain Romney. I'm Bugass Beltree, the head of our planet Citizen Council. We welcome you, Captain. What's ours is yours. Thanks. I'll take it all, Proconsul Meltree. But I'm Lieutenant Commander Pearl. Our captain is over there trying to sell some cans of Mormon moon chowder to that space goat. It's tethered to a tree, so I think you might actually have a good chance of making a sale this time. Hey, Ned. If I understand this space language correctly, and why wouldn't I... That goat just made an order of 5,000 cases of our Maroni brand chowder. And nearly as good, it seems that he has every intention of signing our space agreement. In fact, he ate the whole thing. Every bit of it. Even the part that says all the fancy homes in origami can be designated as officer's quarters. He also ate the loose-leaf binder. 
Jesus, you idiot! Um, Captain, this is Proconsul Milktui. He led the delegation that came out to meet us. He's the head of the whole planet. Somehow he's able to rule it from an Iron Age shack, but I guess he does have the help of those four guys who are being played by that one extra over there. Captain, just to put your mind at ease, we origamis have every intention of honoring the agreement that you made with the goat just now. But that's fantastic. Your society farms out, <laughs> so to speak, its negotiations on pivotal military alliances and the most consequential trade deals to dumb animals? Watch it, Pearl. This dumb animal can cancel you permanently. All I need is an excuse, and I really don't even need that. It's of no consequence to us what your star empire does on this planet. Let your own moral code guide you. Our intention is to bend with whatever scheme you impose. You know, I don't drink myself, Mr. Milky, but I'm pretty sure I just heard the sound of a thousand Confederate corks popping. <laughs> Looks like we'll have the first ever planet-wide green zone. It'll be a contractor's paradise with plenty of gambling opportunities and prostitution jobs left over for your people. Of course, the skilled labor will be shipped in from Scabius 5. The scabs will work for just a few peanuts a day. And they're okay with their peanuts being withheld for unspecified amounts of time. Excuse me, I'm going to have another parlay with that goat. Surely, Captain, there will be plenty of time for that. Why don't you come with us to our meeting hall? And you can tell us your terms. <laughs> sure thing, Mr. Milkweed. And I can take the opportunity to measure the drapes in your council chambers. Ensign Palgrab, bring my larger gunny bag. <laughs> you best bring the smaller one, too. Who's he talking to, Ned? I don't go. Someone in his invisible lackey entourage. I reckon he was born with a servant in his mouth. Follow me, gentlemen. To somewhere where we can talk. Sure thing, Major Appletree. Hey, mind if I whistle? Your empty head is already whistling like a pipe fool. Louise, this place reminds me of a 17th century Salem, except minus all the witch trials and prosecutorial opportunities. Really, it's pretty dull and boring and awful here. This is where our High Council meets. As you can see, there's a long table and wooden benches. Would any of you like refreshments? We have some salt. Oh, you mean straight right out of the shaker? None for me, unless you plan on putting a goat and some finely roasted vegetables under it. Wow, wait a second. Are you following this, Captain? The concessions contracts alone could be worth... worth billions. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. Mountains of complimentary salt would offset the cost of shipping. And salt also just happens to be the main ingredient in all of Bain's Food Code Division's foodstuffs. Hey, Mr. Mujus, do you have a formaldehyde mine around here, too? Dibs on that. Oh, Darn it, you're too fast for me, Captain. Well, uh, um, dibs on this table over here. <laughs> Bad luck, Mr. Pearl. I'm afraid that I've already spoke to the goat about that, and about all the other furniture and all the standing buildings. Oh, yes, and I have dibs on all the standing buildings. Darn it, double darn. Well, it just goes to show why you're a billionaire and why I have to be content to be merely fabulously well-to-do. Could you two curtail your greed for a second so we could start developing the plot of the episode? I'm still not even sure which one this is supposed to be. 
milk tway. A cheap model meant to represent five plastic spaceships has just assumed orbit around the origami. They are engaging the transportation systems. Now five men meant to represent hundreds have just materialized at the town square. <laughs> well, I'll be. How do you suppose he knows all that? I imagine he has the only copy of the script. Our show is so cheap they only produce one copy. And then we're supposed to share it. Our friend Buttlecup is very intuitive, Captain. He knows everything that's going to happen today, and even ten episodes out into the future. That's impossible. There's no way the network is springing for ten more episodes. Not with our ratings. What is it, Mr. Zulu? Captain, around five Cleantown battlecruisers just appeared in orbit around Origami. <laughs> Well, I can just imagine what that looks like, mister. Sir, actually, I can't imagine it. But I can read the line. Anyhow, they don't see us either. Looks like there's a real prop shortage today. Great! I mean, we've got the cheapest special effects department anyone's ever heard of. And even they've gone on strike. <laughs> That's okay, Ned. We'll just order a few extra scabs from planet Scabious 9 to handle their jobs, too. <laughs> That's Scabious 5, Captain. Anyhow, the Cleetons are beaming down a fully outfitted invasion force. With five guys with plastic guns, anyhow. Zulu, take the ship out of orbit and go rally our own invisible forces. What the Sam Hay? Assemble the whole invisible fleet while you're at it. At no additional cost. Save a place on the stern of the lead ship for yours truly. I want to be at the wheel in the open air. Let my captain's hat blow off as we charge into battle, and as I give the lofty command to arms! To arms, boys! To arms! Yay! Uh, aye aye, sir. Whatever you say. Sulu out. You're unusually proactive today, Willard. Did someone force feed you one of those experimental leader enhancement drugs? It's not gonna work, Willard. You're still an idiot. Don't pitch, boys, until you see the white of the cricket pants! Captain, am I not mistaken that if your enemies find you here, they will attempt to destroy you? Thereby making a mess on the floor, and maybe even getting some in our homespun area rug? You're right, Mr. Melktwee. The Clean Towns are among our very worst foes. They act almost just like us, just to get elected, and then act even more like us, just to stay in power. They confuse us, because... When we try to hate them, we end up hating little pieces of ourselves. Then we must conceal you, Osborne. Give them some of our cast-off burlap costumes to wear. But Blue Council saw man come in and take them away. Well, what do we have? They can't wear those uniforms, that's for sure. I'm looking in the closet now. There's a pirate costume with a hook arm and stuffed parrot that's glued to the shoulder. The shirt says pirate on it, in case there's any doubt about what it is. Um, there's not much else. There's a sombrero hat with a poncho, and a jumbo Mexican guitar. Oh, and a pink ballerina outfit with a wand. Dibs on the pirate suit. And I'll take the poncho and hat. Well, that ballerina costume isn't going to fit me. Your uniform doesn't even fit you. What else is new, Fanny? Just get your ass into it. Don't forget to carry that little silver wand with a sparkly star at the end of it. Broke out, sir. The men are in the street. They're entering the building. 
but I can't get these leotards on. Then you better hope they don't shoot when they see the white of your ass. Osborne, there's a pickle barrel in the corner. Bring that over and give it to Mr. Pearl. But there's still some pickles in the block, Axel. Then hurry, give everyone a pickle. Greetings, citizens of Argami. I am Commander Bill from the Clinton High Command. I'm in charge of the invasion force that's just now securing this planet. Well, this street anyhow. Who's in charge here? You, pirate? Are you in charge? Um, no. <laughs> I'm just an ordinary citizen of Origami. <laughs> Enjoying my government-issue pickle. Yes, I can see that. Hey, do they have veterinarians on this planet? Your bird doesn't look well. It probably doesn't help that he's been stabled onto your shoulder. Your Mexican llama looks a bit healthier, though. Hey, will you look at that guitar? Hey, does he play requests? How about that one from West Side Story? You know, Maria, I just met a girl named Maria. Or that other Mexican one, you know. Me and Julio are down by the schoolyard or something like that. No? Oh, well. But he sure does look healthy, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, yes. He's rude with health, sir. And generally, he's just one rather rude hombre. Okay, so let me guess. You have pirate written on your suit so you can find it in the locker room, don't you? Hey, but what if there was another pirate in there? Oh, wait, I know. The other pirate wouldn't have pirate written on his suit, so you'd still be okay. And what have we got here? Hey, you. Are there other ballerinas in that barrel waiting for you to leave so they can climb out? <laughs> if so, why don't you come out so I can get a look at them? Hopefully they're prettier than you. Like about a million times prettier. <laughs> hey, if I reach down in there, am I going to find a pickle? This is so humiliating. What's that, princess? Um, no. My name is Hume. I'm from the planet Miliating. I'm, I'm a dealer in pickles and magic fairy wands. Hey, that's a great combination of wares. Bet you do a bang-up business. Gotta admire your entrepreneurial spirit. It's a wonder I've never heard of your people or your planet before. So who's in charge here? I'm guessing it's not the eccentric pickle salesman. And probably not the pirate, it says here. And certainly not Don Senior Donkey over there. No, it's a goat outside. Um, me matey. A goat? What? Greetings to you, Commander Bill. I am the current proconsul of Argonne. My name is Bugass Meltree. And we all welcome you, Commander. What's ours is yours. Hey, but that's not fair. He didn't even talk to the goat yet. You already said that what was yours was mine, meaning some of it, or maybe not the choice bits. Anyway, what's mine is mine. You know, I already got a look at your pickles, and I'll tell you, I'm not interested. These are some extraordinary citizens you have here, Proconsul. Yes, they are special needs citizens. They are filled with youthful high spirits. <laughs> I think midnight basketball, maybe even a few months in a boot camp will straighten them out. Anyhow, Prefect, I've been elected by a plurality of people on the Clinton homeworld to be your military governor. 
I don't like it any better than you do. I mean, I should have won with at least 50%. Anyway, there'll be a lengthy list of stupid stuff that you'll be expected to submit to. It all comes with being part of the Clinton Empire, believe it or not. But I myself have to comply with certain rules of decorum now, and I'm Commander Bill. You can be assured of our cooperation, Commander. We will cause you no trouble. Well, I'm certain of that. I'll need a kind of liaison, someone that can relay decrees in even our slightest whims. They'll need to know how to use a public address system. I'm also hoping they can introduce us to the nightlife around here. Daytime life seems pretty tame. I'm figuring you blow off all your steam at night, right? Oh, great. This is my chance to stay alive and continue consulting. Please, Commander Bill, please pick me for the liaison position. Pick me! Well, I suppose you'd come in handy if I were ever to require three wishes. <laughs> and let me tell you, I wouldn't have any trouble thinking of it at least that many, especially at night. Of course, you probably are an enemy alien, which means we will likely be subjecting you to our brain banger, or more like mind stomper. That's the tool we use to get intelligence. Well, it's not going to work on him, then. Hey, now, it sounded like the El Horso just said something. Either that or the pirate is a skilled ventriloquist. I can't think of which is less probable. You three are just full of surprises. Hey, Carville, take Pancho here and lead him down to our makeshift headquarters. Find out what makes him tick, and what makes him tick me off. Talking horses are members of the Confederation, you know. He's a Confederate spy. That's what I think. It was Jeb Stewart that had a talking horse. Right, Carville? No, sir. That was Jimmy Stewart. And it was a big ten-foot-tall railing. Nobody could see. I think he may have been cracking, sir. Huh. Sounds like I can fit in perfectly well with this crowd. Now let's get Captain, I mean Bluebeard, I mean Captain Bluebeard, without Mr. Pacho, who's going to be perpetually exasperated by everything that happens? And who's going to belittle us all the time? I'm out of my comfort zone. And these origamians, they've got no backbone at all, no backbone. Their will is as pliable as paper. They're going to just sit here and take it up the wazoo. They're going to let the clean towns have everything that was just given to us. It's not fair. <laughs> well, you know, I can only imagine what the goat would make of all of this. Don't worry, Mr. Pearl. There's no rough patch in life that can't be fixed by spreading a whole lot of cash over it. And usually you don't really need to spend it. Just having it is enough. <laughs> Mr. Milkowitz, the Confederation is rich beyond the dreams of Everest. And you've been selected to help us keep us that way. That makes you kind of special, at least for a little while. Yes, I get it. Proconsul, you'll need to raise an army, and fast. The clean towns are the most vulnerable at night when they're partying, and also early in the morning when they can't wake up. You need to hit them hard at those times. You'll lose thousands of men to each one of theirs that fall, but we're okay with that. I hear passion in your voice, and I believe you are sincere in your desire to help us. But I assure you, it's not necessary. We will be perfectly fine. Our people need not resist the Cletons, or you, for that matter. By the end of the day, it will be of no consequence. But don't you owe it to the children in this society? 
to provide an example of a lowly people being whipped up into a patriotic fervor? Some dressed in their finest rags, others dressed like pirates. They'd be marching off to their doom, whistling monotonous marching songs as they go, going to fight for something that their imperial overlords truly believe in. And when they don't come back, or they come back in a shoebox, then that can serve as a powerful incentive for survivors to go out and fight even harder. Mr. Milky Way, the glory of fighting for our right to own everything should be enough to persuade you. But what about the viewing audience? Don't you owe them just a little bit of entertainment? I'm thinking of something along the lines of an in-studio riot scene or a hootenanny gone bad. Maybe one of your guys could do a little shoulder roll or some juggling. How little you understand us, Captain. Well, it sounds like you two have some big ideas. We've been monitoring you this whole time, you know. In fact, it's safe to say we're probably the only ones watching this stupid show. Jeez, it's only been a few minutes since you left. Yeah, I know, but I wanted to see what you would say about us while we were gone. Turns out you didn't say much. And I got impatient waiting, so I blew our normal despotic protocol and burst in. I brought the horse back. He proved resistant to our bean stomper. His head is just too hard to get through. It could be we weren't using it right. Carville said that the instructions were poorly translated from douchey into English. <laughs> it sounds like you guys have been trying to foment an insurrection with these sheeple here. And why would you want to do that? Haven't I been fair with you? Didn't I compliment your wardrobe and all that? Looks like our brain stomper is going to be working overtime tonight. I tell you what, I'm going to find out who you three are and what you all are doing here one way or the other. I'll tell you anything you want to know. All you had to do is ask. There you are, then. There's no need to torture them, Commander. Mr. Pearl will snivel out all answers to your questions. <laughs> I know who they are. This guy here was Governor of Massachusetts at one time. Although I suspect he'd rather forget about that particular achievement. Now he's Captain Willard Metilius Romney. What? <laughs> Captain Mitt Romney, the Confederate Starship Commander. Captain of the Free Enterprise? I didn't think they were the same guy. Don't you have to know something in order to work out in outer space? They don't just take anybody who fits the suit, do they? What do you think? They let the aristocracy buy their way in or out. Also, they're the only ones who got proper uniforms. The rest of us have to make our own out of paper towels and band-aids. And a talking dressage horse. I'm guessing you're his first officer. Probably because he couldn't find his ass. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you're right about that part, Commander Bill. Carville, Reuben, take these guys down the hall and warm up the bean stomper. That'll be my pleasure, Commander Bill. Come on down, you guys, and wipe that smoke look off your faces. No, don't matter. You still have the dull look of mindless vegetables. <laughs> Although some of my favorite vegetables are looking pretty smart these days. I was swimming with a gumbo and me there without pants. Hey, boss, 
Maybe I've been in space too long. Not nearly long enough. Hey, you heard I'm a vegan now, right? You know, Commander, I think we're orbiting Delta Vegan. <laughs> oh no! Captain, can't we do something? They're going to torture us stupid and then have their way with us. I might not be able to get my war ideas accepted in the halls of government after that. As long as the bottom line still says war, Pearl, I'm sure they'll be fine with it. <laughs> and I'm kind of excited to meet their bean counter. I might hire him at Bane if his price is right, meaning if he doesn't draw a salary, or if he's from the planet Slave Bowl. Come on now! No more gabbing! Move out! We've got a jolly green giant waiting for you with his bag open! Well, that's more information than I wanted to know. Great! Now I'm in a cheap jail cell manacled to the biggest idiot on the planet since Pearl was taken out of the room. If they're turning him into a vegetable, hopefully they'll also find time to puree him. <laughs> I guess they must be torturing him pretty bad. Taping electrodes to his head. Teasing on intelligence. Maybe teasing his hair at the same time. Hey Ned, who do you think we should replace Pearl with? Somebody from out of the same pickle barrel, so to speak? <laughs> Maybe somebody cheaper and more foreign? You can replace him with a pile of soggy newspapers and a scoop of spoiled cottage cheese for all I care. You get in here. Just find a place. You don't need to be chained up. You're not about to get away anyhow. <laughs> not without your marbles. We'll be back for you in a few minutes, Romney. Somebody gone and broke one of the Christmas lights in our brain stopper machine. Looks like a boring plain old plastic box again. We've got to get some prop man in there to fix it. If I were you, I'd try entertaining myself with the wits I still got. Cause you ain't never gonna get them again. <laughs> Very good then, me matey. I'll just sit here and sing my pirate songs. This is fascinating. Pearl's not saying anything. We should have vegetized him way back at the start of the show. But Ned, I haven't been harmed at all. I'm still the me that you always wanted me to be. And I'm back safe and sound in this plastic jail cell set. The brain stomper machine was about to be hooked up to my noggin. And so like that heroic space turtle from the days of yore, I retreated into my barrel. Then I got this brilliant idea to hold up one of the government-issue pickles in the place where my head was supposed to be. They placed the electrodes on the pickle and turned it on full blast. Wasn't that quick thinking, Captain? And now you'll be able to look forward to me advising you to go to war again and again in the foreseeable future. <laughs> well, that's just splendid, Mr. Pearl. Maybe I can pull a few strings to get you a cluster of bronze stars for that. Or an accommodation at some space hotel. What do you think, Ned? Ask me later. I'm still mourning the pickle. Willard, we gotta find a way out of here. Or else this episode is gonna be even more boring than the last 20 were. And yes, I am including the one about your brain. Yes, indeed, Ned. We have some unfinished business with that goat. You know, the one that runs this whole place? I think just a few more minutes of my skilled negotiations would yield everything I need for myself personally. Oh, yes, and I'm still confident we can get him to regurgitate that status of forces agreement that the Confederation wanted so badly. Are you forgetting to stop Captain Deficit? We've got to get out of here first. That is unless the goat makes house calls. Hey, you know, I served on board the U.S. deficient once. It was a catastrophe. 
Just like the wreck of the Ella Fitzgerald. We kept running out of cocktail weenies. Would you like a pickle, sir? It may just take your mind off of it. What? What are you doing in here, Mel Twee? The scene with you guys isn't for another three pages yet. Oh, what the hell? I'm out for jumping ahead as far as possible. The show won't make any sense, but it never does make sense anyway. We've come here to release you, gentlemen. Remove your plastic restraints and come with us. <laughs> I appreciate that, Mr. Melko, but I had the restraints put on my manservant here. If you don't mind, I think I'll keep them on him. After all, I don't want him wandering away after lunch break. He may start a union or start stealing buckets of lime from the lime shed. But, Captain, I'm all for staying here and waiting out the show. We're in the middle of a clean town invasion force. They could start lobbing cruise missiles at real legitimate targets any time, including into civilian areas. I know that's what I would have advised them to do. Anyhow, if we ventured into the town, we're liable to be attacked. Here we're safe. Oh yeah, except not from the brain snapper device. But look, I still have a few pickles left. We're going now, Pearl. Remember, we can always replace you with Dick Sergeant or some other big-headed mutant. But surely it would take a Dick General to replace me. Somehow I can't argue with that. <laughs> Mr. Pearl, I was just thinking that I might need a Dick General to be my chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Somebody has to put the hammer down on those pot-smoking Indians, make them see the psychedelic light of Maroni, and enjoy the fruit cocktail of abstinence. Hey, Milk Twee, so why are you doing this? We're only here to rip you off, you know, just like the clean tons, except with one-third of neurological agility. No, I can see that you don't understand this at all, Mr. Ned, and the rest of you. We don't want to see an altercation take place here between you and the clean tons, or indeed between any other parties. I knew it. You're just cowards. And that's an assessment coming from an expert. <laughs> Mr. McTree, don't you have a France on this planet? Or how about a well-appointed bunker for wealthy industrialists and elite heads of state? Don't get me wrong, it can be a huge bunker with 32 rooms, five car elevators and a swimming pool, and maybe even a swimming pool elevator, too. What an exciting idea. Shut up, idiot. We need to get back to the council chambers and find our communicators so we can contact the ship and finally beam out of this episode. Ned, I never had one. I think the network only sprang for three new communicator props this season, and we had to melt one with a lighter for that episode with a giant magma robot from planet Helgu 7. And in another episode, two of them were taken apart in order to use their fake circuitry to make a flashing electric birthday cake for the Nixon android. Jesus Christ, it didn't even work. Well, not for a few minutes anyway. <laughs> I seem to recall that we had a great communicator once. Well, it just communicate with the ship by yelling up into the ceiling. Who cares? I don't. But Ned, Cleantown soldiers, they're, they're stationed everywhere in the town, or at least everywhere where cameras happen to aim. There are five of them anyway. If we leave, they'll shoot us with their disruptor beams. I'm too young and important to be phased out of existence, even if it is just on celluloid. They'd have to leave the disruptor on you for about a week before it made a significant dent in your celluloid. Hey. You gentlemen are free to go. Go back up to your ship set. 
while you still can, and before the clean towns find you. You know, in theory, you people make me sick. Your answer is to run away. You're not even willing to fight to the last man over retaining your God-given right to cede your properties to us. What kind of men are you? What kind of example do you think you'll be setting for this planet's future child labor force? <laughs> and you wouldn't want us to run away in front of the goat, would you? Shut up about the goat, Willard! I see you still don't understand us, Captain Romney. <laughs> well, your counselorship, we don't have time to understand anything. We're some busy spacemen today. Let's get out of here. Okay, okay. But if we're going to run, I want to be tucked between you two just in case we take fire from behind or, or in front. Start running, Pearl! <laughs> you know me, I've never stopped running. <laughs> from the Confederation have escaped. I want their location and I want it now. Come on now, they can't be too hard to find. One of them is dressed like a pirate, the other a Mexican horse. The other one was wearing a more conceptual costume, kind of like a barrel of rotund fairies or something like that. Anyway, for each hour that transpires, I will defile ten origami and women that look kind of like the related Elvis. That's a personal preference of mine. <laughs> Look, if you make me wait five hours, I'll start signing some right-wing legislation, space equivalent of NAFTA or maybe a welfare reform bill. <laughs> Please don't make me do that. <laughs> Ned, did you hear that? All we have to do to reform the policies on this planet is to stay hidden away in this dumpster. And there's cheese in here. A whole world of cheese. <laughs> Just think of that. In this world, cheese constitutes refuse. I can only imagine what their servants bring to them on gourmet toast. Shut up about the cheese already! Besides, I'm pretty sure it's mucus. Anyway, we need to start blowing things up. Or what stragglers are left in our audience are gonna change the channel. But Ned, by giving us the vaunted time slot of Friday night at 11 p.m., the network has ensured that the audience has no other option but to watch our show. It's also a test pattern in this pre-cable era. As I recall, my own family was watching some stone knives and bearskins at that hour. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. So that figures. Now let's go and blow up the Clean Tons Munitions Depot. But what are we going to blow it up with? We don't even have phasers. It's a munitions depot, idiot. All we need is right there. It's just waiting for us to put a torch to it. But in order to do that, someone would have to physically go up there. And there wouldn't be any delay fuse. Sounds like we have a volunteer. I'm liking it better and better. But I can't do that, Ned. Explosions make me break out and up. Sounds more like a job for you. You can even gallop away at top speed and stay ahead of the fireball. We'll do it together. First, we have to figure out what building it is. I know which one it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that one over there. The one that people keep walking in and out of. No doubt they're coming in with very few weapons and coming out armed to the teeth. Okay, we're hitting it tonight. Now stop talking and let's get some shut-eye. I've never slept surrounded by so much cheese before. I feel like a fondue cracker. 
I, too, have never felt closer to cheeses than I am right now. I can't believe we pulled that off so well. We should go to commercial break more often. I really think that it can be a reliable way of getting out of sticky and or expensive plot situations. Didn't exactly go boom though, did it? Just kind of popped. Are you sure that was our munitions dump? Seemed more like an outhouse. Jesus, I guess you got the dump part right anyhow, Pearl. You're a freaking idiot. Oh, of course it was an outhouse. I'd do anything in the universe to protect me. I'd blow up a thousand outhouses. Or just one really big one. Don't you understand? I have to be safe. <laughs> now just calm down, Mr. Pearl. You're safe here now. But I'd like to believe that you don't really want to destroy every single outhouse. And that I can keep one for myself. One that has a toilet elevator and purple shag carpeting. Terrible to blow things up. Captain, we realize that you believe you are somehow helping us with your, um, flamboyant actions, but I must assure you it's completely unnecessary. You're just making the Cleetons want to perpetrate even greater violence on yourselves. Oh no! Is there any way that we can hide from them? Do you have any more costumes? Great idea, Mr. Pearl. You can dress up as Patrick Daniel Moynihan's. I'll be Todd Kennedy. And Mr. Ned can be Larry Summers' horse, Muckleroo. We can survive for years that way. Maybe we can even launch a spin-off show. Well, sir, although I don't mind the idea of dressing up like approximations of famous Democrats, and generally I like the idea of ham, but sir, this Captain Bill is a smart one, and he's liable to see through our disguises. I'm just giving up, fools. Sulu and the Invisible Confederation Battle Fleet should be here any time now. Let's just hope they make it here before we're completely ground into space turtle chow. Greetings, Orgomans. This is your military commander again. I see that none of you have handed in the Confederation spies yet. And now they're worse than spies, they're saboteurs. They blew up our outhouse my entire collection of Hillbilly Hustler magazines. Oh, some of those were irreplaceable. I can still picture Miss Hicktober in 1965 in my mind's eye. Anyhow, I'm just going to keep on defiling origami and ladies until somebody turns in those outlaws. So you all better get on to it. Just not too fast. (laughs) Did you hear that, Ambassador Milkduds? More ladies defiled. Doesn't he know that he can just marry all of them? And then their indignities will be sanctioned by God. This might just be a good time to put my missionary cap on. Put your freaking dunce cap on, Willard. Anyhow, I've got Sulu on a tin can over here. Somehow he's managed to keep Doc Bonehead from taking over command and unleashing retribution for the Battle of Gettysburg. How'd you manage that anyway, Sulu? I told them that we were showing the uncut version of God with the Wind in the movie theater. We're showing it at one-fourth speed, so we should be tied up for some time yet. How interesting! <laughs> Ask him for me how it turns out this time. Uh, um, yes, sir. 
Sir, I'm coming in at the head of 12 starships. Oh, what the hell? Make that 30 starships. Can't see them on the screen anyway. We're currently only one parsec away from your position, and only two parsecs away from where we're pretending the Cleantop fleet is. Overwhelming superiority. I love it. Maybe it should be 50 starships, or an even hundred. <laughs> I agree. And you know, Bane Galactic has taken out insurance policies on all of those imaginary Confederation starships. And so when we pretend they get destroyed, we collect big time. <laughs> Credit default swaps. Hi, everybody. I bet you didn't expect to see me. Oh, yeah. We'll have 125 starships in our invisible fleet. What are you going to do about that, huh? Oh, no. They must have cloaking devices. Yeah, we got a few of those things. And we've got some fancy capes and top hats that might surprise you, too. <laughs> Shake them down, Carville. You never know when that guy's going to pull a pickle on you. His stupid ships are imaginary, too. You're not even going to see one of them on the screen. We don't have Stanley Kubrick special effects budget, you know. We don't even have his cab fare. We're lowly network poppers. Speak for yourself. I'm hooked up to the Wall Street drip bag. Let me tell you, I'm feeling no pain. <laughs> wow. Goldman Sachs and sacks of gold, man. You have them both. But how did you find us, Commander Bill? Well, it was pretty simple. You weren't in the jail set. You weren't on the street set. There is nowhere else. When we were supposedly in our headquarters, we were really just waiting there behind camera C near the water cooler. There's some dizzy chick over there that keeps bringing me grapes. They must be in season. Man, I got a stomach ache. Anyhow, you guys are finished. So is your confounded confederation. Hey, Carville, make note of that. Yes, sir, it's duly noted in our book of wee witty willy sayings. That's gonna be a book. Yeah, not sure about that title yet. Anyhow, your fleet's finished. You're gonna want to find a ride home on a real pirate ship by the time my fleet's done cutting your fleet down to this last dinghy. Oh, yeah, Blumpo. Our invisible fleet could take yours any day. At least we don't have to stop and pick up every female space hitchhiker that looks like Elvis along the way. And besides, it's our freaking show. So who do you think is going to be saying little glib quips by show's end? Gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey, did you mean to say that twice? I assure you, you're arguing in a vacuum. Fascinating. <laughs> so then the universe is nothing more than a giant vacuum cleaner bag. To us, your two peoples are very much the same. I suspect you have much more in common than you yourselves realize. Yes, you are all annoying little fucks. Did that shrimp just say what I thought he said? <laughs> I thought I thought putty tat. <laughs> Prefect, we're nothing at all like them. They're for free trade agreements that destroy the environment, trample labor rights, and enrich their own billionaire class. We start looking like we're against things like that, and then we get maneuvered into a corner, and before you know it, we're out lobbying for the whole shebang. As it turns out, our pals do pretty well out of it, but that's besides the point. Indeed, we're nothing like them. We come up with delicious words of choice all the time, and they always vote against it before they vote for it. Also, their death planets are like death resort planets, not real death planets. 
It's not the same thing at all. Yes, I'm sure these distinctions are great to you, but to us you are as Tweedledee and Tweedledum. <laughs> Ned, I think the Universal Translator pooped out on that last line the milkman read. What did he say in Maroney's own English? He just called you dumbass, and we all agreed. All oh, this doesn't signify. Just think, Camp Romney, while we're here enjoying our little chat in space above us, our two fleets are making war whoopee. The fate of this portion of the galaxy will be decided for the next couple of episodes. Did you say they were serving chat? <laughs> just a small portion, please. I'm trying to cut back on shelled pork. Well, I've got Sulu on the can with a string again. Jesus, somehow I've turned into the radio man for this episode. Hey, Carville, why does that horse have a radio? Um, I don't know, sir. Maybe his favorite program is coming on. Maybe he has some relative racing in the derby. I don't think that horses race with hats on, Carville. Captain Annette. We're firing range of the Clean Town Armada. All Confederation ships are powering up weapons. Glorious, glorious. Release the hogs of war. Uh, we're pretty safe down here, right? Oh. Ah. Oh. Captain, we were just locking out our weapons on the Clean Town's lead ship when all of a sudden it was gone. The script, that is. And not just mine, Mr. Stephanie O's script was gone too. Not that he really knew what to do with it except to hold it awkwardly and sometimes even upside down. We have no idea what to do now, sir. We don't see the enemy fleet anymore. We only see the blank projection screen and plastic bridge set. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a pickle. Maybe there's a copy of last week's script lying around somewhere. We can get Mr. Welsh to shuffle the pages differently and... Hopefully the audience won't notice the difference. Well, that's a likely possibility. Did you say you wanted a pickle? I think I may just have one left. My fleet, all of our people, they all seem to be gone. They probably took jobs in the banking industry and other fields they were once in charge of regulating. That revolving door is twirling like a bitch right now. Hey, Carville, my script is gone too. Throw me my next line, will you? Hey, Carville. Carville? I think he's gone, Commander Bill. He took a pundit job on Space CNN or some other channel that nobody ever watches. But how did this happen? Who is responsible? <laughs> yeah, who is the monkey's uncle, so to speak? <laughs> I'm not even going to answer that. Captain Romney, Commander Bill, we are responsible. You are responsible? You? Yes, Mr. Pearl. We have been extras on this show for over two years now. And do our wages ever go up? No. Do we receive any benefits? No. Do our working conditions ever improve? No. In fact, they get worse. We are withdrawing our labor. And the script boys, page turners, and martini olive plunkers are walking out with us. Yes, you have to agree to our terms. Or get used to doing everything for yourselves and without us for a change. But can this possibly be real? <laughs> Does this apply to the goat, too? Yes, the goat, and most especially the goat. Too bad. I just thought of a few more things he could do for me. Well, Commander Bill, 
Looks like the origamis are not going to let us have our war. We'll have to wait until we can arrange for that freighter full of cheap temps and scabs. I hear you, Captain. That's the trouble with being out here on the outskirts of the galaxy. Labor has you over a barrel. No offense intended there, Tankerbell. <laughs> no offense taken from you, sir, but I am offended by these origamians. What gives them the right to stop our wars and deprive our show of its ability to... Deport the tears millions of people. To pathetically limp around from episode to episode without benefit of having a director. To employ writers that don't possess even the most rudimentary ability to come up with a plausible science fiction plot. Is that what you're defending? Um, yeah. Very well. We will restore three extras to your bridge set. That's the minimum needed to get your ship underway and out of our space. But you must leave now. Merely being in the presence of people like yourselves gives me the worst case of indigestion. And I'm about to chuck right now. Yes, please leave Orgabi before I chuck on top of the prefect's chuck. <laughs> Very well, Mr. Chucky. We're, of course, counting on you to honor everything that the goat agreed to before. Blah. Yes, yes, just leave already. Commander Blill, it looks like this is goodbye and good night. <laughs> the Origamians are not going to let us fight. He's freaking gone already, Willard. Somebody in a white toga just brought him an overloaded breakfast plate, and then five others carried him out on a golden sedan chair. I've got to get me a foundation one of these days. <laughs> you know, I know what you mean. If I had one, I could have Bane make tax-deductible donations to it, and then it could foot the bill for one of my other companies to install air conditioning in my deluxe 12-story garage on planet Diamond Pox. <laughs> There's all kinds of poverty there. The golden sedan chair. Why, that no-good two-timing goat. That was promised to me. <laughs> Mr. Silo? Aye, sir. We're ready to beam up. And tell the crew we're going to have a special little surprise for them. Um... If you don't mind me asking, sir, are you going to tell us that the show was canceled and we could all stay home tomorrow? Nope! I'm bringing a magic goat on board. Tell everyone to start thinking up three wholesome wishes. I can think of one right now, but you say you want to be beamed up anyhow, right? That's right, Mr. Silo. <laughs> That's most certainly right. great love for you, your planet, your culture. Despite that, Mr. Spock and I are going to go out there and quite probably die. In an attempt to show you that there are some things worth dying for. <laughs> 